Okay, what's up? What's going on, everybody? Thank you for joining me for another episode of Revelations Podcast. This is Blood In, Blood Out. And the reason why it's titled that, it's because this topic will be about the film from 1993 of the same name. And I'm going to be talking about my experience growing up in Toronto, growing up on the west end of Toronto, to be exact, where there were a lot of black and Latino gangs. And I also want to talk about the effect, or I guess the influence that this movie had on the youth of that time, especially in the Latin community. So if you are here, it's because you want to be here. And I appreciate that because you have probably found value in the previous topics, or this is probably your first time listening to the podcast. Maybe it was referred to you. I don't know, but thank you for being here. I do not take any of you listening for granted. My name is Mario, and I produce music with a friend of mine named Aisha, and we also DJ. She can't really be with me for the podcast right now because she's currently like out of town, living out of town. So it's kind of hard for us to coordinate. But as soon as we are able to get back together into the same room, we promise you we will bring you a dope episode. So we're going to get right into the topic because this one is going to be a lot to read through. Okay, so get ready. And if you want to follow along, I'm just going to quickly tell you to head over to wokeuparebel.com. Click on the menu option that says woke up a rebel newsletter. When you are there, please click on the topic that says blood in, blood out. You've undoubtedly seen the movie Blood and Blood Out if you're a member of the Latino community and were born before the year 2000. Two Mexican-American brothers and their halfway cousin are the subjects of the movie. Despite the fact that the movie is fictional, many people were able to relate to one or more characters. The problem with this is that many teenagers who have seen this movie have either seen it as just a movie or have been encouraged or act like what they have seen, which has occasionally been to their detriment. This is the first time I ever took a deep dive of what the film meant to me, my friends that I went to high school with, and the effect it had on my community and culture. One of the first things you'll notice if you grew up in the USA or Canada as a Latin kid is the use of Spanglish. Spanglish is a distinctive and interesting way that the North American kids grew up speaking. Because of our unique experiences of having growing up speaking both English and Spanish, we sometimes scramble words and maybe not remember it in one language, but remember it in the other. So we end up making mashup sentences. This was displayed a lot through the film. Nowadays, it's sort of frowned upon and you run the risk of being referred to as a yo no sabo kid, you know, when you don't speak Spanish or English properly, or mainly Spanish if you don't speak Spanish properly. The LA Times wrote about one of the two writers of Blood and Blood Out. Okay, so this is what they said in LA Times. National Hispanic Media Coalition received complaints that the script of Blood and Blood Out, written by Jimmy Santiago Baca and Jeremy Icon, portrayed Latinos in a bad light. They're not Latino films, but films about gangs and prisons. Screenwriter Jimmy Santiago Baca wrote a copyrighted letter defending his Blood and Blood Out script. He claimed it was inspired by his own prison experiences in his native New Mexico. Gregory Nava, who directed the 1984 sleeper hit El Norte, said he's not surprised by the fact that two gang-themed films are being made. Gangsterism is one way immigrant cultures enter the mainstream. It's traditional in American life and film. People move into outlawism by being rejected. And in the blog version, I shared a picture of the person that is believed to be who inspired the character of Miklo, right? So that was a crazy line to read. People move into outlawism by being rejected. This was the case of Miklo Velka in Blood and Blood Out. I read a study that said they believe Miklo's character is based on Joe Pegleg Morgan, right? From, he was born 1929 and passed away in 1993, right? So Joe Pegleg Morgan was born Slavic, but seems to have grown up with Chicanos and thus adopting the culture, respecting, and this was the case of Miklo, this was the case of Miklo Velka in Blood and Blood Out. I read a study that said that they believe Miklo's character is based on Doe Pegleg Morgan from 1929 to 1993, right? He was born Slavic, but seems to have grown up with Chicanos and thus adopting the culture, respect, and high rank in the Mexican Mafia gang. The film is loosely based on the lives of Joe, writer Jimmy Santiago Baca, and half-white, half-Mexican Damien Chapa, who actually plays Miklo in the movie. The film is based in the 70s and 80s, roughly, right? I find it amazing that you can watch this film today, in 2023, and it's still brutally relevant 
relevant in today's Latin urban culture. Miklo's cousins are Cruz and Paco, El Gallo Negro Aguilar. Although Cruz and Paco were half-brothers, they shared a younger brother, but his role in the film wasn't a major one. His death in the film did, however, bring a change in the characters' lives. Oh yeah, spoiler alert. A friend of mine had lent me the movie on VHS, and mind you, this was back in 2002-2003, people. I had no idea what I was in for. I would watch it in bits before school every morning until I finished watching the movie. I would have been allowed to watch at home when everyone was there, but the amount of F-bombs and Spanish curse words would have been enough for my mom to tell me to turn it off. I had never seen a movie about gang culture before. Straight up. I knew about gang culture due to the fact that I loved listening to hip-hop music, but I didn't know that it was something that would be glorified by young people until I went to high school. When I watched the film, I began to understand why the new friends I chose to hang out with dressed and behaved the way they did. They were heavily influenced by the movie and Latin urban music of that time. Everyone was wearing Chuck Taylor shoes, Nike Cortez, Clark's flannel shirts with only the first two or three buttons at the top done up, khaki pants, slick back hair, homie shades, and bandanas. This was the Latino urban look of those days or you simply wear hip-hop clothing like Fat Farm, Rockaware, Sean Don, Pele Pele, Car Carl Kanai, Timberland Boots, Lugs, and others of that time as well. It's safe to say we were all heavily influenced by pop culture, right, in one way or another. The influence that films like Blood In, Blood Out, American Me, Colors, Boys In The Hood, Training Day, and other similar films had on the youth was mostly detrimental in my honest opinion. Most of the youth were emulating what we were seeing on TV and it was also what we saw on the streets and on the news. The problem was we all had access to this content mainly due to the fact that most of our parents were immigrants and worked multiple jobs to make ends meet. That left us, their kids, to fend for ourselves and sometimes take on the role of babysitting for the younger siblings, which would leave us vulnerable to being influenced by outside entities who did not have our best interests at heart. We would start spending more time outside after school hours. We'd go to friends' homes who sometimes did not have a healthy family structure, which at times led to supervised self-destruction, like underage drinking and smoking. Some parents felt that as long as their kids were at home doing what they did, and they'd at least be able to keep them in a safe environment. This mindset is prob probably all too familiar with a lot of our upbringings if we grew up in the mentioned circumstances. And I shared a picture of Miklo doing the famous VL, you know, at the beginning of the movie of Blood In, Blood Out. What happened after watching this film is that it was the only thing my friends and I would talk about. We pretended like we were characters in the film and would pretend we were the Vatos locals, like in the gang in the film. The other concern was that it stopped being make-believe and started becoming real life for some of the people in my friends' groups or friends group. Some went on to join real gangs here in Toronto. The issue with watching movies like Blood In, Blood Out as a teen was that we weren't mature enough to understand the message in the film. We only saw what looked cool. We saw that the gang members of the film were willing to die for each other, that being in a gang got you the girls, smoking and underage drinking was cool, and simply being in a gang was an honorable thing and showed that you were tough and about la raza or your race. It wasn't all negative though. There were some good lessons in the movie as well. Things such as family, forgiveness, what happens when you don't forgive, and also what happens when kids don't grow up in good environments. The strange thing about the movie is that Miklo's cousins, Paco and Cruz, seem to have come from a good family. They had two loving parents, a good home, their father, Paco's stepfather, had his own business which appeared to have been some kind of auto shop. Cruz was a gifted painter. He had so much going for him. Thanks to the image that Cruz was painting on the hood of a car in the film, I became curious about the Aztec king, Quetzalcoatl. Paco, on the other hand, seemed like his issue was not the lack of a loving home. It was a lack of purpose. A lack of feeling like he was good for something. His stepfather tried to encourage him to join the army. He refused to meet with the recruiter for some reason. He just didn't seem to know what direction to go in. So the gang was the most fulfilling, possibly thrilling and meaningful thing he had going on for him. Miklo had already gotten himself into some trouble when the movie started. He moved to LA after leaving his father in Las Vegas. 
His father mistreated him because he was half Mexican. Strange thing to hate about your own kid, right? Miklo was about to turn 18, which meant he'd be off probation. Little did he know that he would only become of age to end up going to the men's penitentiary, San Quentin to be exact, in California. His cousins certainly did not contribute to his rehabilitation. Miklo ended up adopting their beef on the street when he moved, moved in with them. A few things that I noticed in this movie that I had usually seen in movies with African Americans. Police harassment and racial profiling. Also gang content. The three relatives were out for a drive and they were pulled over by a couple of white cops. Surprisingly, the cops were somewhat nice to them and let them go without any trouble due to Paco's Surprisingly, the cops were somewhat nice to them and let them go without any trouble due to Paco's boxing reputation in the local gyms. Cruz used the reputation to get them out of that rut with the police, but Paco was upset. I always wondered why Paco was so angry about the use of his boxing rep to get them out of a jam with the police. Maybe it was him feeling ashamed that he broke his hand in a fight. That's what I assumed it was. He probably felt like that was the only thing he was good at. In the movie, it shows that the cousins had a rivalry with a local gang called Tres Puntos. No explanation was given for their beef, but they really didn't like a guy called Spider. Spider seemed to be the boss or something, as Paco seemed to be the leader or at least a high-ranking member of the Vatos Locos. In an alleyway scene, it shows some Tres Puntos members doing graffiti in an area controlled by the Vatos Locos. Miklo, to earn his stripes, approached the car that was occupied by Spider and affiliates who were doing the graffiti. Miklo broke their car's back window, and that's what showed Paco and Cruz that he was down for the clica, in order the click. The next scene was interesting and also dangerous if you were or are susceptible to the influence of those around you. Miklo earned his VL placaso, or aka his gang tattoo, which usually goes in between the left thumb and index finger. He became a part of the familia, especially after he says the word, which loosely means now we're homies for life. That meant that he had taken an oath to always be down for his crew. Paco, Cruz, and the gang made Miklo feel accepted. Taking that oath seemed honorable, until it wasn't. On the day that Cruz was awarded a scholarship to go to the Los Angeles College of Design, they had a celebratory party in, in honor of Cruz's scholarship. During the cookout scene, you see some teenage homies smoking a joint in the backyard of Cruz and Paco's house. It was just casually added in there. Then it goes to one of the most disturbing scenes in the movie. Cruz went to a secluded area with a girl he hooked up with at the party. I'm not sure how old these characters were supposed to be, but it seemed like they were both in high school. Members of the Tres Puntos gang showed up, dragged Cruz out of the car he was in, and smashed his leg with a car door before they picked him up and slammed him onto a fire hydrant, which then led to him almost being paralyzed. That was hard to watch. All I wondered was, why were they doing this to fellow Latinos, you know? And they also carved the VL tattoo off his hand with a knife. Like, it was, it was nasty. Obviously, Paco, Miklo, and the gang wanted revenge. But Cruz's mom caught a whiff of what was being organized at the hospital with Paco and the gang members. She said something that always gives me chills when I watch the movie. She says, Who are you fighting? A member of the gang, Chewy, replies, Tres puntos. Paco's mom says, Just fighting yourselves. Paco says, What are you doing? They are my family. Son mis carnales. And she proceeds to slap him. <laughs> right? His mom slapped Paco, right? Like his own mom. And she says, I am your family. You should be taking care of each other, not fighting over street corners. Paco says some deep words with, If we do nothing, then we are nothing. Great words, but the wrong scenario. There was no need to continue the violence. But the streets don't teach us about forgiveness. They teach us that anything goes. Nowadays, we say, get it back in blood. Paco, Miklo, and their crew go to a hangout spot they knew the Tres Puntos crew frequented. They ambushed them, and Paco ended up catching Spider and carved the VL initials into Spider's chest. That was also difficult to watch. Spider was let loose by the VLs, thinking that he was playing by the rules when they said, the dog is belly up. Spider went for a gun, shot at the guys, ends up hitting Miklo. Miklo shot back, fatally wounded Spider. After an exciting high-speed police chase, Paco and Miklo got arrested. Miklo, having turned 18, was sent to San Quentin's penitentiary. I feel like this is when the movie really starts, right? So Damien Chapa, who played Miklo, said in an interview, We were in there with real prisoners. About three others and I were the only ones that weren't prisoners. Everyone else around us was real. We practically lived there for months. And that's what Damien Chapa said for the Daily Democrat. Miklo ends up realizing a few things in that prison. Street gangs don't matter. 
The only thing that matters is race. He met some of Spider's friends from Tres Puntos in prison, but they didn't care about that because they knew that that beef inside the pen is not the same as the beef on the streets. Three main crews were represented in the movie. African-Americans BGA, which stands for the Black Guerrilla Army. The Caucasians, which were the Aviers, which stood for Aryan Vanguard. And the Latinos were La Onda, which translates to the wave, I guess, for lack of a better term. Life inside the prison became intense real quick for Miklo. He almost got raped by a guy called Popeye. He thought he was one of his homies because he had a VL tattoo just like his. Clearly, that didn't matter in there either. To sum up the movie, Miklo kills people in prison to earn his way into La Onda. He gets out of jail a few years later, heads back home, and reunites with his cousins. Paco went to the military as an ultimatum when the murder of Spider occurred. Cruz has permanent damage to his back after his attack and was never the same. Cruz ended up blowing away his painting career due to his addiction to heroin. His pain from his injury was so bad he felt that the prescription drugs weren't strong enough. His younger brother ended up getting into Cruz's stash and accidentally overdosed on heroin. Yeah, that was tough to watch. Cruz got disowned by his family, including Paco, due to the overdose of his younger brother. Only Miklo reached out to him, and they weren't necessarily the best influence on each other. Miklo ends up planning a money heist with some bad people he met through Cruz, and the plan goes wrong after Miklo's cousin Paco, who is now a cop at this point, shot Miklo in the leg. Miklo got his leg amputated and told Paco to his face, you're not my blood, and that's for having shot him. So by this point, Miklo returns to prison. With the help of fellow members of La Onda, they take out their current leader, Montana, due to their concern for the fact that he was becoming soft, according to them. Montana wanted to make peace amongst the different groups, but Miklo, La Onda, and the BJA thought that that was bad for business. Montana was somewhat of a pacifist due to his changed stance on violence and the current state of prison politics. He coined the famous words, Chicanos killing Chicanos is what they want. Blacks and Chicanos killing each other is what they want. That's how they run this place. Once we get together, they don't run shit. Makes sense, right? Miklo remained in prison, Cruz and Paco reconcile, and the movie ends with the two brothers looking at a mural of the three of them on a wall. The movie was so long, it almost felt like the most memorable parts were the negative parts, right? By negative, I mean the things that looked cool but were not good for you. It almost seemed like a glorification of gang culture instead of a lesson to learn. Obviously, it was rated R for a reason, as it was definitely not good for kids to watch. After watching the movie, I started noticing everyday things a bit differently. I started noticing that a lot of people around me dressed in the clothing of the movies I was gravitating to. I then learned about a hip-hop subgenre called Chicano Rap. But the rappers that I remember were dope were Mr. Sancho, Lil Cuete, Lil Rob, Mr. Night Owl, Conejo, Mr. Capone, Awkward, and more. Their music was basically Chicano real music. I embraced Chicano culture, including my brief obsession of collecting the homies gumball machine collectible toys. Do y'all remember those, the homies? Once again, if you go check out the blog post, you'll see a picture of the homies and maybe it'll bring back some memories. I also started hanging out with various gang members from different crews simply because that's where I felt like I belonged. I never joined a gang myself, although I briefly tried starting my own crew, but for completely different reasons and beef was not one of them. That didn't work out, thankfully. It was a strange time in my life because it's also when racism became all too real. I don't know how, I don't know why, but historically, black and Latino communities have had conflict amongst each other. People that I knew from middle school days had also joined gangs. Unfortunately, people who I knew had all of a sudden chosen sides. It was weird. There were black gangs beefing with Latino gangs, and the root of it was honestly unknown to me. We just knew that this was the norm at my high school and surrounding high schools. As far as I knew, movies that influenced the black community at the time were Shatas, Paid in Full, Belly, and others. There was so much, there was so much violence, and even the girls were fighting each other. I remember my Spanish class teacher in high school used up most of the time during one class to explain to us, with tears in her eyes, what it was like in the 90s when the black and Latino beef was pretty bad at the school. A lot of students had to go to their next period classes in separate groups because of the violence that would occur in the hallways between the two, between classes. 
you know, and, you know, between the two groups of people. What a time to have been alive, right? It almost felt like I was in the movies Lean On Me or Dangerous Minds. This level of hate and violence was a learned behavior. I'm almost certain that the majority of us did not learn this at home. I know I did not. There was no racism being taught in my home. After watching Blood In Blood Out, all hell broke loose. I started hanging out on the streets a lot. You know, like I started hanging out, you know, not coming home after school, you know, and dealing with people I shouldn't have been. I had no business being out and about in my teenage years, trust me. I thankfully never got into real trouble with the police other than a few random stops and frisks where all they did was toss out my weed and, you know what I mean, my cigarettes or something when I used to smoke cigarettes. I know, right? I was smoking cigarettes in high school too. I was one of the lucky ones. I noticed something about my friends and I. Most of us came from loving homes. Maybe not the best dynamics, but a lot of us didn't come from broken or abusive homes. What could have led us down the path that made us embrace gang culture? There were some festivals in Toronto when I was growing up. The most notable ones were TLN Latin Fest at Canada's Wonderland, which those who don't know what that is, think Six Flags, right? That's what Wonderland is. We also had the Salvadorian Pupusa Festival, we had the Tony Reyes Festival, and a few others. Sadly, a lot of them, especially Latin Fest, was a gathering for all of the Latino gangs to show how tough they were. There was a lot of violence at these events. Sadly, most of these events no longer exist in Toronto, and it's probably due to the amount of negative press they were getting. I believe that a lot of parents were oblivious to what their kids were into. We really had no one to guide us because life in Canada was so fresh for a lot of Latino families, especially in Toronto. It wasn't until I started to live on my own that I realized how pointless and stupid gang life was. Some people who are in gangs feel like those are the most loyal friends they'll ever have. Movies like Blood In Blood Out show us just how easily our friends can and will turn on us. There is no real loyalty when you're into criminal things. Takashi 69 Gunner from YSL, and other YSL affiliates have shown us this in recent times. Gang culture preys on those who are seeking validation or a sense of belonging. It preys on the young because it's easier to mold the mind of a young person versus an older person who you expect, who you'd expect to have more common sense. There's also criminal. There's also the criminality aspect of recruiting young men and women into gangs. Under 18-year-olds get charged as juveniles if they get caught committing crimes for their gang. Some friends, huh? In gangs, it'd be your own that are sent to unalive their own brothers due to factors such as fear of disloyalty, snitching, and other circumstances. Gang life doesn't usually end well, right, for anybody. If we look at what happened in my birth country of El Salvador, in 2015, it was deemed the murder capital of the world, with 105 homicides per 100,000 people. That's a lot, considering El Salvador is a country of approximately 6 million people. Since the recent president, Nayib Bukele, came into power, over 40,000 gang members have been incarcerated in a state-of-the-art prison facility, which in turn has helped make the country safer and in turn desirable for foreign investments in the country. People have never felt safer. Unfortunately, there are rumors that there may be innocent people who've been caught up in the countrywide, countrywide operation to arrest and jail anyone who has gang tattoos and other signs of gang affiliation. Gang culture seems like it's all fun and games thanks to its glorification in movies and music. We have artists like Snoop Dogg, who at his age is still repping his affiliation with the Crips. YG reps his Blood Gang affiliation. Chicago rappers rep their GD affiliation and so on. Thankfully, we also have artists who came from that life, like T-Bone. He was in the Fighting Temptations movie. Rapper Kid Frost, right? They chose to dedicate their lives to educate the youth on the dangers of joining gangs, and they offer programs to keep them safe, productive, and feel like what they're involved in has purpose. Sometimes people turn to religion as a way out. That was the route that I took. I'm glad Yahweh found me when I was going down a very dark path. I highly recommend that if you've watched Blood In Blood Out and have young people in your lives who seem to be going down a dark path, watch it with them. But explain to them what's happening. Focus on how their lives will change if they choose to be out and about, aimlessly on the streets. Be the big brother, sister you wish you had growing up. There are many programs in Toronto that you could get involved with and volunteer your time. There's one in particular that I work with called CultureLink. If you've been able to overcome the streets, then your story is much needed in the lives around you. 
help others avoid going down the same path of heartache and heartbreak when they find out that the streets don't love them back. Blood In Blood Out is a film that will forever be a staple in Latin urban culture. Gang culture is never okay, regardless of your reasons for joining. There's no way out with some gangs, except the grave. There are better ways to make money, better ways to find family. If you're looking for a sense of belonging, get into a sport, get a part-time job if you're in school, learn to play an instrument, learn to produce music or something in creative arts. There are a lot more resources to keep youth busy than, when I had, than what I had growing up. Make good use of them. Right, so this, I really wanted to write about this movie because it was, it made such a huge impact in my life, you know, like for better or for worse, I learned a lot. I learned a lot from, from this movie, from finally understanding the story and the message behind it. And yeah, like it really had a huge influence on the youth in my city. Like that good kids like turn to gangs for absolutely no reason except to, you know, look cool, have a sense of belonging. You know, us Latin kids, we were trying to find our, our place. And I'm glad to run into some people sometimes, you know, from back then. And, you know, we're doing pretty good. We're still here. We're alive. We're consciously making an effort to be better humans, you know. So, yeah, just thrive to do best. And when you know better, do better. Teach the next generation, you know. Like, if you have young people around them, please encourage them to, you know, keep themselves occupied with something that makes them feel alive. Something that they find value in. You know, guide them in the right direction. You know, your cousins, your friends, whatever it is, you know, like your younger siblings, like just make sure you're present because that teenage life and early 20s, it's the crucial time, right, for their development. And let's not allow the wrong influences to um, guide them, right, or overpower them. So thank you so much for listening. I was your host, Mario. Make sure you check out the movie Blood In, Blood Out. Drop a comment on the YouTube version of this when it's out. And you can also drop a comment on the Spotify version of this. Please make sure you do. Please follow us on Spotify, Revelations Podcast. Follow us on Instagram at Woke Up A Rebel. Subscribe to our channel on YouTube at Woke Up A Rebel TV. Okay, you actually have to put in the at. Please check out our website, wokeuparebel.com if you want to subscribe to our newsletter slash blog. And if you want to hire us to DJ your next event, please make sure you hit us up through any of the methods mentioned above. Thank you very much and I'll catch you in the next episode.